I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Taisei Fu. Uh, we were just talking before uh, the episode started. Uh, what are we talking about? Like, did anything interesting happen this week? Like, oh, Dave Haxtell, new head coach of uh, the Seattle Kraken. The Bruins signed Trent Frederick to an extension. That's pretty interesting. Oh, the Tampa Bay Lightning made the Stanley Cup final for the second year in a row. That's that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, do, who, who's the other team they're playing? Do, I don't remember. Can you, can you tell me uh, who's the other team in the Stanley Cup final? Yeah, just give me a second. Let me just look it up. Oh, yeah. Right, okay, thanks. The Montreal fucking Canadians. All Whoa! right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am still processing this information. Uh, and what? We're two days out now at this point. Um, what the hell? Uh, I, was, I, was, I was super, super tired all day on Friday after the game. And I think it's mostly... Because of all the energy it took to try and process the fact that Montreal had made the Stanley Cup final. Because I was expending a lot of brain energy just trying to wrap my mind around what had happened. I I still don't think I have. I mean, there are just so many contributing factors that make it so that I still cannot possibly believe um, that uh, the Habs are the fucking, the, what is it, the Western Conference representative uh, for the Stanley Cup this year. I mean, okay. First of all, just it this has never this has never happened in my entire life. Um, like I don't know what the fuck this feels like. Um, and uh yeah, it's fucking and most of all, the biggest point is this team, all right, I'm still convinced that this team still sucks. All right. And like if you think about this this came completely out of nowhere. And I don't think we talk about that enough. The fact that the Habs, all right, this absolute dog shit roster with this awful defense that's the slowest in the league, somehow managed to make the cup final. Like, think about it. Think about it. Was there any point in this season where we talked or even mentioned the Habs going to the Stanley Cup final? No. Not one point. Yes. And usually, yes. usually, had, did we? Like, other than at last the week? of the season, at the start of the season, after the first, like, 12 games or so, I remember tweeting... This is kind of embarrassing. I I remember tweeting, this is the first time in my life that I can honestly imagine Montreal winning the Stanley Cup. And then, <laughs> closer to the end of the season, I was so embarrassed when I thought back to that tweet, I went back, I scrolled back in my own timeline and deleted it. That is a true story. Oh, that actually no. happened to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that's true. All right. Uh, <laughs> we were also saying before the show started... Uh, that this is probably going to be a, a pretty difficult episode to navigate just because we're going to be jumping around so much from thing to thing, talking about a lot of concrete stuff, like the games that happened, the games that are going to happen, but also some more abstract stuff, like are they good? Are they bad? What does it even mean to be good or bad? I can feel like I barely know anymore. Why are they playing so well, especially compared to why didn't they play well for the majority of the regular season? I think Cole Caulfield is a big part of that. Uh, and I also... I sent an article to you yesterday from Jay Fresh uh, that really I thought was very insightful called The Canadians Are Actually Good because you and I uh, were still very much thinking, oh, yeah, oh, they're bad. And most people are thinking, oh, they're bad. They're on a hot streak. And Jay Fresh, uh, who's very smart, is saying, no, they've actually been kind of overdue for a hot streak, hot streak like this because we've been talking for the past couple of years how they are such – a dominant five-on-five team, one of the best five-on-five teams in the NHL, especially whatever line Deno and Gallagher are on, which had usually been Tatar and is now Lekkonen, is very dominant five-on-five. And in this series, they completely neutralized Mark Stone, which is an incredible accomplishment. 
And the problem was they couldn't finish. They had no finishing talent. And now that they have Cole Caulfield in the mix, who scored four goals in the six-game series, and Vegas's forwards as a whole had five, he brings. He's probably the best pure finisher they've had in our lives. I think uh, he's. I mean, better than Pacioretty already. And Cole Caulfield is twenty years old. I think Cole Caulfield right now versus prime Max Pacioretty as a pure goal scorer, Caulfield wins out. I don't even know when the last one Montreal had who's as good as Cole Caulfield. And as we saw, that made up for a lot of lack of finishing talent on the Montreal roster, even just in this series. Four goals. If Cole Caulfield isn't playing in the series, Montreal probably doesn't win this series. Just look back at that, that game six. He scored one of the goals that got it into overtime. So really, that's all it is. And yeah, first time in our life, Montreal Stanley Cup final. You know what I was thinking? Because Montreal Stanley Cup final uh, before like two days ago to me meant one of two things. Either A, it's the 20th century. Or B, it's a video game simulation. Literally, because I've seen plenty of EA Sports simulations where Montreal makes the Stanley Cup final. And now that I know we are in the 21st century, it felt like a video game, but it isn't. Yeah, and I still don't know what the I still yeah as I said you know like two days later, and I still don't really believe it. Like I think I don't know whether like game one I'll be watching the puck drop and it'll really hit me like ah four more games and they win the fucking Stanley Cup. Um, or, you know, maybe they'll just get steamrolled and I'll just be like, well, maybe they just got fluky, but that's the thing, right? Like maybe they are good. I don't know. I'm still trying to grapple with this too. Um, like, so let's talk about Cole Caulfield. Is he like legitimately the savior of this franchise? Um, like, like, like straight up because, you know, this team, if you look back, like without, like, this is the same team that had like, you know, at the core that has been generally been very mediocre over the years and even this season like you know for all the talk of five on five um the fact is they were not good at all um and you know you just need to look at the standings 18th place uh and then this guy shows up and you gotta remember like what he showed up but at that point the halves were honestly kind of coasting um and it didn't seem like they were really trying and it showed in the results they kept losing and losing and losing and that's part of why we had like such little faith in this team heading into the playoffs because not only was the team battle season, but especially near the end of the season. Um, but it seems that now, like now that the rest of the team has kind of got it together. Um, and even then, like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think like if Cole Caulfield wasn't there that they'd be able to, you know, even make it out of the first round um, because he was good in that series too. And, and so like, yeah, Cole Caulfield, like 20 years old, not even a rookie yet. It'll be a rookie next season. Can we already stop the fucking savior tag? Like, like you said, best finisher of our lives already. Um, I mean, you the the easy like if you're comparing to Pacioretty, all you need to look at is you know Pacioretty with a chance to win it in overtime in Game Six in overtime, and all he did was shoot a right at Carey Price. Uh, and meanwhile, Cole Caulfield, all he knows is how to go top shelf. And so, yeah, I think I, I really think like I'm really having trouble like you know. Like trying to figure out like why is this happening? What is it? Is it just a PDO fluke? And like, oh, maybe they were just like, you know, overdue for some statistical regression. Um, but I really think it just might be that the addition of one 20 year old, all right, who's born in the same year that I am, really just put the team over the edge because he's that good. <laughs> yes, I really think it's a matter of having a system 
that is wor that works in theory, but not having the personnel that's good enough to execute on it. And Cole Caulfield appears to kind of have been the missing piece of that personnel, not to mention the fact that Carey Price is, is outperforming how he normally does in the regular season. Uh, here's, a, here's a fun thing. Do you know uh, what the situation was for Montreal exactly a month ago today? It was that they were losing 3-1 to one to the Maple Leafs in that round one series, and it was May 27th, so a month from tomorrow, that Alex Galchenyuk, Turned the puck over to, was it Caulfield or was it Suzuki? One of them in that game five overtime, 2-1-0 the other way. And that was the start of this 11-2 uh, this and run that they're currently on. Uh, it was less than a month ago. And I went, okay, heading into this, this Stanley Cup final, I'm feeling pretty different than I did heading into all the other three series. And I think it's because, it's not because I expect them to win more. Uh, because, I mean, they're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are definitely the best team they've faced so far. So it's definitely not that. It's maybe somewhat that I'm more optimistic about Montreal, like, in a, in a vacuum, uh, regardless of who they're actually playing. But I think it's also, like, this whole time we've been saying, oh, yeah, they suck. It's kind of a fluke that they've made it this far. And if they lose to the Lightning we're probably going to be continuing those conversations for a long time. Were they actually good? Was it just a fluky hot streak? Maybe next season answers some of those questions. But the, but if they win, then who cares about any of those questions? And any fan of any other team that calls it a fluke or they shouldn't have even made the playoffs, we can just go, oh, well, sounds like your team didn't win the Stanley Cup that year. Ours did. And that would be the absolute dream scenario. So this is definitely the series... Where this, I mean, this kind of goes without saying, but the highest stakes so far in the playoffs. And I'm really feeling different heading into it. Yeah, it really all comes to a head this series. And obviously it's the final. Um, but uh, look, if the Habs do manage to pull it out against the Lightning, I will be riding this high for the next like seven years. All right, straight up. Like I, I couldn't care less about what happens for the next seven years. Like if they're dog shit, if they finish like last and they trade away their first round pick, I couldn't care less. Like they won in 2021. I can die happy at that point. You know, like my, my, my hockey fandom is now complete. Um, but if they lose, you know, I really think, cause like I, you know, I, I think this might be the, like you look at the age of the players that are part of the core, like in particular, you know, like Carey Price, he's already declining and okay, you know, he's, he's had a miraculous postseason, but even though we don't know how many years he could keep pulling playoffs out of his ass and, you know, players like Shea Weber and, you know, guys like Joel Edmondson who will inevitably decline as their contract goes on. Um, but um, this really feels like the end for that group of, that group of players. And so like, I don't, foresee for example if they lose this series or even if they win like i don't think next year especially with the atlantic division that they're going to be in and like the fact that apparently the regular season halves just aren't very good um you know barring you know we don't know what caulfield brings in the regular season um but uh i like i still don't i don't expect many great things from the halves in the regular season next season just because of the strength of competition and frankly i don't really trust this roster um but uh especially that defense and so i don't i think this is i think this is really it. Like, I don't think this is it for, you know, I think Caulfield, Suzuki, Kakanami, that core moving forward. But I, th I think that if you don't win it this year, it's going to take a few more years to get back. Um, just because, like, you know, you'll, you, you'll still need to figure out with the old guys. And as they decline, uh, where's that, where's, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, you really did get a hot run. Like, how many, how many years until we get another hot run? Um, and as for, you know, like, how do I feel about going into the, 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 the finals right now? Like, I really think, they're going to get their teeth kicked in. Um, and because, you know, now in retrospect, like, okay, I never believed that they were going to be Vegas. 
Hell, I, you know, I never believed they were going to beat Toronto. And even against the Jets, I don't think I picked them. I think I picked the Jets in that one. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to it, in retrospect, they hadn't really played a team. Well, no, they hadn't played a team that had won a cup in recent memory at all, right? Um, like the, the Toronto, you know, they're like fucking cursed. Apparently, they don't know how to win. Um, and the Jets, the Jets have sucked for a while. Um, they haven't made it past what round two. They've made it past round two like what once, twice. Uh, and once. meanwhile, the Vegas Golden Knights always find a way to lose in the weirdest ways, don't they? Um, you know, like they 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 have lots and lots of both you know success on the ice. Uh, the ability to win many playoff series, even in their short existence. But yet, they still always find a way to lose in a strange fashion. Uh, and it kind of feels like they just kind of choked it against Montreal. Like, they, the, the, the Knights, like, yes, the Habs choked them out. And this is another thing with the series, and, like, trying to analyze how good the Habs are, is, like, well, how much was, the, how much was it that the Habs were playing fantastic, which I think they were. They're playing to the best of their abilities. And how much was it that, like, the Golden Knights seem to have completely disappeared, especially compared to, you know, their second-round season where they, like, they shit kick the avalanche. Uh, and so that's another part of it where I'm trying to figure out, you know, like, what's what. Uh, but even then, like, the Golden yeah, Knights, like, you can't possibly. Sorry? I was just going to say what I would say to that and what I think most people are catching on to is that Vegas's top forwards especially appearing to disappear uh, it appears like Montreal is the common denominator in these playoffs, with making their opponents' top forwards kind of disappear and squeeze the production out of them. Matthews and Marner in round one, uh, Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers in round two, again with Mark Stone, Pacioretty, Vegas's top forwards in, in round three. Montreal's forwards, much more so than their defensemen, have been so, so good at making the other team's top players look invisible. So, whereas after round one, we're saying... Oh yeah, I think uh, I think it's probably more so Toronto just choking again than Montreal actually achieving it. I think now we've seen the pattern happen three times of Vegas's well, not, well, well, not just Vegas, but in this series, Vegas's top players coming in hot, and all of a sudden they hit the Philip Dano wall and the other great defensive forwards on the Canadians, and everything disappears for them. And I think Montreal deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I still can't get this old man take out of my mind is that, and it, it keeps coming back to me and I understand that it's a very, you know, old hockey guy take, but like, it seems that they haven't played a team that knows how to win the Stanley cup. And it feels like, well, like obviously Tampa knows how to do that. And I feel like, you know, like moving forward and like, they just played a team that plays a very defensive, you know, that tries to play an extremely defensive style of hockey and really punches on the counterattack in the Islanders. Uh, and they managed to, you know, squeak one out in game seven and uh, in seven games. And I feel like, you know, the, the, the lightning both in having won the Stanley cup last year, but also especially in just, yeah, having beaten the Islanders just now in round three, that they're better equipped and they're just, the roster is just so well constructed as well um, that they're better equipped to dismantle the Habs. And frankly, if I were to make a prediction right now, I would think lightning in five. Uh, and, yeah, I like, you know, like I understand that. Yeah, like my perspective on the Habs has shifted. You know, I do give them more credit than I did before. But even now, just like just the looking at the strength of the Bulls, like I'd be much rather be playing the Islanders right now. Holy crap. Was I cheering for them hard last night? Um, yeah, me too. Because the Bolts really just feel like uh, a team that can figure out the Habs um, because they did it to the Islanders twice in a re twice, two years in a row now. Uh, and, 
yeah, this team is like this feels like a team that won't get frustrated and, and won't be thinking like, oh, this is happening again. Um, be, like I feel like maybe Toronto or Vegas did, um, because they just fucking won the cup last year. Yeah, I think those are definitely good arguments in terms of explaining why you're picking Tampa over Montreal. Maybe you don't have to frame them in such a way so that you're taking credit away from Montreal, and I don't think you really meant to. Uh, but you were you were saying before about this Price Weber Gallagher core that it really feels like the sun setting on it, that the end is approaching. We'd been saying for most of this podcast's existence that the end had already come, and Montreal probably wouldn't see a contention window until after. Uh, at least Price and Weber were out the door. Maybe not Gallagher, but at least those first two. And, well, we see now that isn't exactly the case. And one of my first thoughts after Montreal beat Vegas in Game 6, I think I texted it to you, uh, was that I was trying not to think about the fact that Carey Price absolutely deserves and he absolutely deserves to win a Stanley Cup before his career is done. And I really, really hope he does it. And there's a very good chance He'll never get as good a shot as this one, even if Montreal continued to be a great team because great teams don't make the Stanley Cup final every single season. Uh, you never know. This is the first one. To, how many years has it been? Uh, what's the number? 28 years. Is it going to be another 28 years? Honestly, maybe. It's been how many for the Maple Leafs? 54 now. Teams go incredibly long droughts. Even the Avalanche are a great team. They haven't even made round three since like, I don't even know how long ago. Is it like 2002? Something like that. I don't know. Or 2001, I guess. Uh, so really, we should try to savor this. And I'm specifically pulling for, for those guys, Carey Price and Shea Weber, because I know, oh, man, this might not ever happen again for, for them. And you really you never know how long it'll be until it happens again. Uh, or if it, who knows if it'll even ever happen again. Does the NHL outlive Montreal's next Stanley Cup final appearance after this one? It's a valid question. You have to ask the question, all right? The future is very uncertain. Crazy things can happen. And I mean, in terms of predictions for the next series, uh, I'm going to pick the Lightning, first of all, because they're a better team, and also uh, because picking against the Habs has worked out very well so far, and I don't see any reason to, to stop now. So going with Tampa Bay, you said five, I'll go with six. Yeah, but they broke. Don't fix it, right? Um, exactly. So... Yeah, I'll just Give them keep some bulletin against board them. material. Tyson and Alex from Fusion and Hockey Podcast bet against you again. Doesn't that motivate you? Yeah, I'm sure that's at the very, very top of their. Uh, what's that called? The uh, the board, the bulletin board. I guess that's right. Um, so yeah, like look, like okay. So I want to dive a bit deeper into the Habs Night series because I feel like we haven't talked enough about it. Um, like, okay. So where to begin? Where to begin? So let's start with the Deno line. Um, because yeah, they really fucking shut down the, the fucking Mark Stone line, didn't they? Like, holy crap, were they invisible? And you know, everybody's giving them credit, and I'll 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 pile it on. Uh, because Jesus Christ, didn't like, and here yet again, I don't know how much credit to give to who because Mark Stone seemed to be genuinely fucking bad. Um, and I think that might have been that it just kind of got in his head because Dano just really shut him down for like you know that whole line really shut down that. The you know the, the first line it's exactly as we wished you know because and when we went into the series we we're like you know like how how do the Habs manage to, to to find a way to beat the Knights and you know when it came to the first signs it was always it's gonna have to be a wash uh, and I really think that that's exactly what happened because you know the 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 Habs line really managed to just wash them out and they didn't it's not like they you know really tipped in offensively you know I don't think they had a single point 
until you know when they fucking they all combined to score the winner right uh in overtime in game yeah. six and so like they really did kind of follow that formula didn't they um that we just kind of laid out it's the first line is a wash uh and you just kind of let you just hope that your second third and fourth lines where the Habs were just a better built team especially in the third and fourth lines um that they would just come out to play i think i think uh i think really the Toffoli, caulfield and suzuki line with caulfield and suzuki in particular really came to shine uh and beat their matchups in terms of you know second line versus second line um but uh like in terms of blueprints like that's that that's exactly what happened wasn't it yeah, exactly. And that not it so fun to have a real first line to Foley, Suzuki, Caulfield? That one was the last time. I guess Tatar, you know, Gallagher has kind of been playing like one. But now, so I guess you could kind of say they got, they sort of have two now. But yeah, that, the Dan O line, it feels like he did the same thing to Mark Stone, what he did to Matthews and Marner in round one, which is that, you know, you shut them down effectively at the beginning. And he's, it seems like he does it in such a way that he gets into their heads. And we saw that is with Mark Stone getting so visibly frustrated uh, and it looked like he was, you know, to- totally a non-factor by the end of the series. And then it was so great that they connected for that winning goal in game six. Here's a fun, uh, fun fact for you. Fun stat this year, Deno Gallagher and Lekkonen cost less against the Habs cap than Mark Stone. Mark Stone was nine and a half million. Lekkonen plus Deno plus Gallagher is 9.433333 million dollars crazy um and yeah it wasn't that mark stone looked frustrated he was actively fucking bad um what was it the the caulfield goal in the in in game five like that was on him both he turned it over in the neutral zone and then when he went the other way you look at him back checking like mr uh selkie and best defensive forward in the league he was like coasting uh and he didn't cover caulfield on the way back and he had an easy like caulfield had an open shot and so yeah it really seemed that like the mind games really fucking got to him and you know you got to hope moving forward that you know like if we're talking about the bolt series that's coming up like that's the formula right you you send that line against the uh the point kucherov line and you just hope to god that it's a wash um do i think that they can do oh, it man. against to, to against oh, this line just like tough I, to submit yet. oh my god point kucherov yeah. can he do it oh, can he god. pull it off it's, oh man if he does, like if he if, neutralizes that line, he's getting like ten million dollars on his next contract per oh, year. I mean, like, yeah, and, and toughest assignment. No fucking kidding. I mean, not just in terms of their caliber of player, but both of them have been fucking ridiculous in the playoffs. Um, like what point had that? He had up until like last night. He didn't score, so he had like an eight game goal streak. Like, how stupid is that? And Kucherov was like twenty seven points. Um, so even slowing them down significantly, they they at least need to do that. Um, because if not, they'll just, uh, wreck shop. And so, uh, but you know, you bring up Deno and you talked about his cap hit, like, uh, and what he's going to get this off season. Like, what do you think, what do you think the situation is right now? Uh, in terms of, Deno that's a very good we're question. Of we are, I don't want to talk, talk about this too much, uh, because I'm sure okay. we will have time to before free agency, but here's what I'll say. He's very obviously and deservedly getting, you know, picking up a lot of interest around the league for his performance during the playoffs. And so I actually think we were talking at the start of the season. Remember, he got that six-year, $30 million offer from Mark Bergevin, $5 million a year, and he said no to it. And then a little ways into the season, he wasn't scoring at all. And we were saying, Dan, oh, come on, you should have taken that deal while you had it. You're losing money by not scoring at all. 
And now in the playoffs, what does he have? He has three assists through three rounds, or one goal and two assists, something like that. And everyone appears to think that he's made himself money, which he absolutely has. He's really probably one of the most unique players in the NHL in that he's he's kind of like low-event king. Like, there's really no one like him. Like, yeah, you can put him out against the other team's star players, and you can be pretty sure he's going to be able to shut them down, but he definitely won't score at all. And most teams will absolutely take that trade-off. If, you know, you're playing the Maple Leafs, you got Matthews and Marner combining $22 million against the cap, and you have Philip Dano over here making out of $5 million, you can, and it's like, wow, this seems like a pretty good trade-off. And so that's why I really think a lot of teams are going to fall in love with him. I think someone's going to offer him maybe like six and a half AAV. I'm still, I'm very hesitant to give him that much money just because while, you know, being defensively capable is extremely good and Dano might be the best at it in the entire NHL. When, you know, the offensive half of your game is missing, it's, I'm very, you know, wary of of committing that much money but let's not talk about that now it's not free agency time it's philip dano's making only three million against the cap and the cap doesn't even exist in the playoffs time and he's on ours for now for the stanley cup final Alrighty. um and so another part of the Habs night series which i think is going to be absolutely ins- like huge uh in the final is the Habs po- the, the Habs penalty kill which, first of all, I won't talk yes. about the power play because it seems that the refs didn't want to fucking call any sort of penalty. So we don't even really know what that's like. But they did seem to, we did see a lot of the penalty kill. And when we did see it, it was fucking spectacular. Um, and I don't, like, they didn't give up a single goal, did they, in the entire series against Vegas? Uh, and, they like, this was a penalty kill. Goal since game four against Toronto. They've killed off, insane. like, 32 straight or something. <laughs> And this was a penalty kill that was like bad. It was bad in the regular season. Uh, and all of a sudden, here we go. It's like, it's the best ever, apparently. Uh, and like, so yeah, like it, it seems that they're just completely, they have found a way to kind of extend their, their system play at five on five to really both making it hard for the teams to get in the zone. But also, like, it really seems that they're much more aggressive. They're much more comfortable in their system on the penalty kill. And it's seriously paying dividends. It's it's worked against teams that have, like, serious high-caliber, uh, you know, talent on their power plays in, you know, really all three teams that they've faced. Um, you know, you say what you will about the Jets' uh, Jets depth, but their, penalty, their, their power play had lots of talent on it. Uh, and, you know, looking at the Bolts, this is the best, like, this, the, this is a power play that's completely bonkers. Uh, power, and is the best in the league, and you watch them play, and you're like, they're gonna fucking score. Uh, and so yeah, like this, th- this is gonna be fascinating. I think it's gonna be huge in determining who wins the series. Is this like big matchup on you know like strength on strength, pa- Tampa power play versus the Habs penalty kill? Yeah, I think that was another important point in Jay Fresh's article about the Habs are actually good. Uh, which was that one of their weaknesses over the past couple of years has been their extremely mediocre special teams on the power play and penalty kill front. And now their penalty kill is, in the entire playoff, 93.5%, which is unreal. And their power play is 209 which is also quite good. Uh, it's 7th out of 16 playoff teams. But as you say, Tampa's... Uh, do you want to take a guess at what their power play percentage is in these playoffs? Oh, I don't even want to know. Twenty uh, percent. Well, Montreal low, is twenty point nine. Oh right, what and am I saying? Uh, I'm gonna say twenty-seven. Thirty-seven point oh, seven. 
Jesus Christ. 37? 37. That's higher than 1 out of 3. That is higher than 1 out of 3 power plays that Tampa Bay has scored on in these playoffs. So that this is really going to be Forest meets Forest with Montreal's elite penalty kill and Tampa's elite power play. Colorado actually in the playoffs had a higher power play percentage than Tampa at 41.4. Uh, so Tampa's second in that regard. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely going to be a, an interesting thing to keep track of. And that probably if Tampa Bay does figure out Montreal's penalty kill and manages to break it open and keep scoring at even like a 25% pace, if they slow down, then... I think that's pretty much uh, that. That would pretty much seal the deal, unless the refs don't call any penalties, uh, which which at that point would be our only hope. Um, and it's not definitely not out of the realm of possibility, especially with Chris Lee manages to fucking get an assignment, which uh, would be shocking. But then again, not that surprising. Um, but uh, yeah, like and just matchup wise, like I think, yeah, like the Tampa's so good at moving the puck laterally and just zipping it around the zone in the power play. And the Habs seem to have figured out, like, the best way to, like, and this is just in general in the defensive zone, they really seem to have improved their zone awareness uh, in terms of, you know, getting in the way of lanes, both uh, for shots, but especially in, like, you know, east-west passes. Uh, So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Can can Tampa figure a way to uh, get the puck across when the Habs have been so good at preventing it? Yeah. I also think, all right, so on the Vegas series, I think we must acknowledge... I was I was gonna say golden goal, but it's not the golden goal. The score of the Clarence Campbell goal, the the, the Clarence Cam goal, Arturi Lekkonen, who is now forever a Montreal Canadiens legend, a folk hero, built his statue, overtime goal to send him to the Stanley Cup Finals. What an iconic moment! Biggest goal of his life. Have, did I ever have I told the story on here of when Montreal drafted um, Arturi Lekkonen? Because now would be a good time uh, too if I haven't. Maybe yes, yeah, tell All it anyways. Right. All right. It's actually, it's, I always think it's going to be more interesting than it is when I start telling it. But anyway, here I go. I was 11 years old. It was the first draft I ever paid attention to. I thought Arturi Lekkonen was going to go in like the late first round and he falls all the way to 55th overall. And right before Montreal picks, I was, my dad was like, who do you think they're going to pick? I was like, I hope they take Arturi Lekkonen. And they did. And I was like, yo, amazing. And it turns out that I was a genius because Arturi Lekkonen scored the Clarence S. Campbell Bowl clinching goal <laughs> eight years later to become Western Conference champions. And by the way, Shea Weber decided not to touch the trophy. Do you have any leanings one way or the other on this? Uh, do I have any leanings? Uh, I think, okay, so I do have a leaning now that I thought about it. Um, I say touch that shit because uh, you'll probably never touch it again in the rest of your life. Um, so A, a because a because uh, you're probably not going to get that far in the playoffs and B because it's the Western Conference trophy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so you really, you really pass apart, uh, passed apart an opportunity there to the entire team. Um, you know, like I would have just, well, I was like, fuck it. Like I don't Tampa touch their trophy. Um, and, uh, I mean, it worked for them last year, so I would have just gone for it, but, uh, to each their own, I guess, but you know, it's such a big accomplishment at this point. Um, and the fact that it hasn't happened in 20 years, I would have celebrated the fuck out of it. I wouldn't get it a damn. Yeah, I think. I think I'm getting some details wrong on this, but I think there was a long time where no one ever touched the conference championship trophies. And I think until like 2008, the Red Wings touched it and then won the Stanley Cup. And everyone was like, oh, I guess the curse is broken. It's like, there's never a curse to begin with. It's just no one ever touched it. And then 
every year since then, a lot of times it's like one team touches it and one team doesn't. And as you would expect, it's there's no correlation whatsoever between touching the trophy or not touching the trophy. It would be one thing if like every single year the team that doesn't touches it doesn't touch it also wins. Then I'd be like, all right, Shea Weber, maybe you've got a point. But the fact that there's it has nothing to do with it, obviously, because it's a dumb superstition. And also, especially since the most recent one, Tampa touched it last year and then won the Stanley Cup. It's like, really? Do we really have to play around and pretend this superstition still exists? I don't know if it's maybe like a personal thing. You're like, I'm not going to touch it because I think it is some sort of convoluted way distracts me from the Stanley Cup for my own personal reasons. Fine, whatever. I guess that maybe makes a little bit of sense. But the fact that it really appears like these teams do it because they're like, oh, if I touch this one, then I will get frowned upon by the hockey gods and they won't allow me to win the other more important ones. <sighs> Go take a nap. See, maybe given the history now, they just don't want to take the flack in case they lose, you know? Um, and so if they do end up losing, we can't just point to the Shea Weber and be like, well, you fucking touched the cup. So that must have been the reason. You know what? Um, you know what? <laughs> Here's what it is. If they lose, want to, it's want to because Shea Weber didn't touch the cup. If it's, it's they lose, it's because Shea Weber <laughs> okay, did not right. touch the Clarence S. Campbell Bowl, and Tampa Bay did. And if you had touched it, just like they had, then maybe you would have won. There. There we go. All right. That's 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 how we'll excuse their loss. Um, all Only right. Reason. So, <laughs> what? How did we get to this point of the conversation? I I don't recall at all. <laughs> oh, it was literally me saying, "What do you think about the fact that Shea uh, Weber did not touch the Clarence Campbell Bowl?" It was very direct. All right. There we go. Okay. So um, next point is uh, I want to touch on is the opposing goaltender. We talked about how Price is, uh, has been really fucking good. Um, the, the Habs are going up against a goaltender who in Andre Vasilevsky, who's been a probably one of the only, if not the only uh, goalie that's been better than Price this season, uh, this playoff, sorry, but also this regular season. Um, and also... Uh, a goalie who's much better than the goalies they've faced in the past. I think, well, okay, may- maybe Connor Hell. I-, I think Connor Hellbuck is on that level. But then again, you know, the Jets were the Jets. So, I mean, this is this is another one because you look at the goaltending in the Vegas series, and to be frank with you, Mark Andre Fleury was mediocre to downright costing them the series bad. Uh, and you know, Robin Lehner was solid in the two games that he played. But the fact of the matter was, Fleury played four games. Um, and so it'll be int- like, you know, Jack Campbell was good, was very good, but Vasilevsky feels like a whole new level of goalie where this is, you know, most people would say the best goalie in the league. Um, you know, I would disagree, or maybe at least there's, I would at least say there's room for argument for Hellebuck. Um, but this just feels like, you know, they're really playing a bona fide elite goaltender who's really playing like it. And, you know, I think there's, uh, you know, for a team that already struggles to, uh, finish generally across the roster bar other than Cole Caulfield it'll be interesting how they deal with it because you know especially that Vegas series it seemed like their goaltending was not that good yeah how good do you have to be as a goalie to be on the same team as Braden Point Nikita Kucherov Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman and still be the front runner for the Smythe? It's pretty ridiculous. And Vasilevsky is the front runner for the Consumite because more so than last year, he has had to bail them out a few times against the Islanders, um, against the Panthers in round one for sure. Uh, who did they play in round two? Can't remember. Tampa Bay play. Oh, the Hurricanes. Yeah, less Carolina. so against the Hurricanes. Yep. Yeah. But definitely in round one and three, Andrzej Vasilevsky was a massive factor. And I think as we were kind of talking about heading into the playoffs, 
Uh, Victor Hedman was not a great year for him. He wasn't at 100% for most of it. I still think that is kind of true. Uh, although he, I mean, he is still great. He is playing like a number one defenseman. But Andrzej Vasilevsky, rising to the occasion, playing the best hockey of his entire life so far, has really made all the difference for them. But I do think, because Montreal, they have found success against good goalies. And they have played good goalies every single round. Campbell, Hellebuck, Fleury, and Leonard have all provided their teams with at least good goaltending. Fleury, I mean, yeah, he had a couple gaffes there, but it's not like he was a, you know, a total sieve or whatever. And I think the fact that Vasilevsky is maybe the best goalie in the world doesn't matter against Montreal as much as it matters against some other teams, just because Montreal generates so much of its offense on the rush. Uh, and, you know, we see, you know, they've been succeeding. They've been finding a lot of success, you know, with stretch passes and generating a lot of scoring chances that way. And I think that more so uh, Tampa will be will have to be reliant on their defensemen in order to prevent that. And I mean, they have a lot of great defensemen that are probably very good at preventing that. Uh, so it won't be easy. But I mean, if they can if they can sort of if they can manage to evade that Tampa defense somehow. Montreal will be generating their chances on the rush, on two-on-ones, on breakaways. And Vasilevsky, probably, it matters less that he has a 934 or whatever save percentage on those chances. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking now, like, maybe they have more more of a shot than I gave them credit for. Because now I'm thinking, like, the third-round series. And you think about it, and, like, the Isles pushed them to seven. Like, they were one game away. They were two goals away from taking that series. Uh, and so, you know, the Habs, I think, are a relatively similar team. Very defensive system-oriented. But also, they produce a lot of their offense on the on the counterattack uh, and on the rush. And so, you know, maybe there's hope. And maybe I'm getting my hopes up. Um, and maybe I'm only setting myself to be let down. Uh, but I think there's a seam. There's a seam. I'm not saying it's likely at all. But... Certainly not out of the realm, uh, out of the realm of possibility where they, they they don't get shit kicked and maybe this goes to six. Uh, who knows? Um, I won't even dare saying there. I, I won't even dare say that they have a shot at winning. Yeah, I'm really trying to tread very lightly so as to not try and get my own hopes up, and it's pretty difficult, especially when you know they're one round away now. Kind of feels like it's right uh, there. It's very hard to like you know keep those thoughts out of your head. And especially, I think Dom Lecision said that Montreal's, his model has their chances at like under 25%. But Montreal is like 3-0 and in series where they're under 25% since 2010 or something like that. Uh, but I mean, under 25%, it's under 25%, right? Right? That's right, but it's not 0%. So, you know, well, there's it? okay, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, I don't think we fully, I don't think I fully absorbed how uh, crazy this fucking shit is. Um, they are one round away. They're in the cup final. They're in the fucking cup final. Uh, that is completely absurd for a team that has basically our entire lives only known mediocrity. Um, this is, uh, next level. This is fucking wild. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. It's really impossible to understand what's happened. And no, it's really whether they win or lose is going to make such a big difference in how this run is perceived in the future. Like, I think I yep. kind of touched on this a little bit before, but if they lose in the finals, whoever thinks about this again, is anything more like, Oh, a Cinderella story. They made it to the finals. Haha. <laughs> Came so close. Team that went uh, 24 and 32 in the regular season. Better luck next time. That was a little weird. And of course, if they win the Stanley cup, 
then this incredible run is immortalized in history. <sighs> wow. I can't wait to see what happens. It's kind of weird that there's no Saturday game in the finals, but I can't I can't wait for it to, to get going on Monday. And they're going to have those okay. little patches on their jerseys too that say Stanley Cup final on them. I think that's when it'll Oof. really sink in for me, when I see those little patches on their jerseys. Yeah, for for me, it kind of sunk in a little bit when I saw like the merch, like the the Habs, like what was it, like Stanley Cup final, yeah, hats. I was like, wow, that I, like I always see those every year, but they're never with my team on them, um, and they are this year. Who knows? Maybe I'll buy one if they lose. Just just to just just because uh, it <laughs> might lose. just yeah, straight up might not happen ever again in my life, you know. Yeah. Wow. All right. It kind of. In some ways, it feels wrong to move on from the Canadians, but we do have other things to discuss, such right, as the to. Seattle Kraken. Let's let's move yeah. on to the Kraken, uh, who've made two interesting transactions this week. Uh, one of them is hiring JT Brown. I don't, I don't know if it was directly through the team. I think it was, but JT Brown is hired to do color commentary for the Seattle Kraken, and he'll be working with John Forsland, one of the best uh, play-by-play guys around. And this is super exciting. And I know we're probably not going to have much access to this feed, but JT Brown uh, appears to be an extremely charismatic guy. Uh, and you know who isn't charismatic? The likes of, I don't know, Pierre Maguire. And JT Brown, of course, is, you know, very knowledgeable, of course. He played in the NHL and at other very high levels. He played over in Europe for a while. So he doesn't have any shortage of knowledge and insight that he'll be able to to provide. And I'm sure that, you know, with the charisma that he already has, after, you know, he he gets his reps in doing color commentary. I imagine he's going to be very good at this. Yeah. And you love to see it, you know, like just like fresh blood within the uh, broadcasting ranks, because, uh, you know, I know this is, this is just for uh, like their local broadcast, right? For Seattle. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but even then at that level, you know, uh, because you see a lot of old heads uh, and I'm glad they didn't go for a recycled figure. Uh, and you know, especially when it lo- you look at the uh, the background this guy has, and it really looks promising in terms of being able to translate that into uh, legitimate on air talent. And yeah, this is an industry that doesn't do that enough. Uh, try out new yeah. people, which uh, you know seems like something you should do in an industry. Um, but uh, yeah, it's nice to see, and I really hope it works out. So we can get speaking of dudes like Pierre McGuire, old employees. How about uh, former Philadelphia Flyers head coach Dave Haxtall is the first head coach in Seattle Kraken history. Uh, This is kind of a head head scratcher, I got to say. He spent the last season or two uh, as an assistant coach with the Leafs. He apparently ran the defense this year, which showed market improvement for Toronto. So, So that was nice. Things didn't go great in Philadelphia. I can see this working out fine. Uh, it's not like he has a, di- a disastrous track record or anything. It's not like they had Peter Shirelli or something like that. But it's just with the other names on the table, and the big two for me, Claude Julien and Bruce Boudreau, I wonder if those two guys weren't interested in joining the Kraken because I would have been much more eager to give either one of them a chance than uh, just this just Dave Haxtell, who kind of feels like, oh, yeah, he just just one of the guys, just one of the other coaches, and we're just giving him uh, another chance to be a head coach, even though he hasn't really done anything that spectacular. Yeah, and it really feels like, uh, like you know, you kind of teased it with it with the, the the segue there, but it really feels like we're back at the old recycling plant here with the with the coaches, and you know, like okay, Hackstall, he's only had one run as as a head coach, and so what? He pays his quote unquote dues for like a year or two, and then we give him another run when he doesn't, he hasn't really shown 
anything worth giving him a second shot over, like, you know, both in his first stint, but also in the time between. I mean, like, what? It's only been, like, one year, right? Um, And, you know, sure, Toronto's defense has been improved. But is that enough for you to give him a head coaching gig? Like, what could have possibly... What 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 about Dave Haxall could have possibly blown you away to the point that you were going to hire this guy? Like, that's that's such a... That's a question that I, I cannot fathom an answer for. Uh, and that's a theory. You talk... Yeah, go ahead. I've, I, Dave, I really think, as, as fans, we vastly underestimate how much weight interviews carry for people um i mean we hear it like we hear it at the draft every year we heard it when um the flames picked jack Peltier, even though that was a pretty good pick but one of the first things uh bradford living said about why they like jack Peltier was oh he was the most impressive interview we saw like really that that's the most that's what really made you say you know what our guy talks well so we're gonna pick him in round one and I think whenever we see these kind of weird-ish hires for GMs or coaches or any sort of other, you know, important position, it probably has something to do with the fact that they were really impressive in an interview and they said something that really hit home with whoever was hiring them. And maybe Dave Haxtell has a really nice way with words. Uh, and I think he actually has worked with Ron Francis before, like on the world championship team. So, you know, uh, everyone always is, you know, drawing those lines together. Like, oh, they've met before, so of course he hired him. But maybe he said something, something really insightful or clever, or he had some sort of, you know, inspiring quote that he made an analogy with of like, the the Kraken are gonna are gonna rise to crack the, your head open. Okay, are gonna All crack right. the the sea open and rise to the occasion out of the waters towards the sunshine and ron francis was like that's my guy <laughs> man if that's the case yeah and i and i think you know like the whole interview the weight on interviews is a real thing and i think that's fucking lame um like show me what you've done that's what i want to know and you know i think the interview is a part of it i think it should be a part of the process but to put this much weight on a, on it like it just makes no fucking sense um i'm not i'm not hiring a guy to uh tell me his vision I'm tell I'm hiring a guy to execute his vision, uh, and you know I think you put you I think you know you should put more weight in the abilities of an a per, an, a per, an employee to execute uh, rather than you know have a nice way of words and be able to come with with, with like Pinterest quotes on the fly. Um, so you know like yeah, this like and that's such a fucking strange hire. And you look at yeah, absolutely you look at the guys that are available, and you got to think like. Man, like, look, if you're trying to imitate Vegas, which is what, which is a bit, which you have to assume, you know, Seattle's trying to do, you know, expand your team that's relatively recent with an expansion draft, looking to, you know, hit the ground running in year one. Um, and, you know, you look at what they did, like, Gerard Gallant was, you know, he was recognized as a pretty good fucking coach. That's why we were all scratching our heads when he was flying, when he was, he was fired from Florida um, so abruptly. And so... Like to hire a guy like with no real track record of being good, um, is a real fucking head scratcher when you have those people. Like, you know, like why don't you hire Bruce Brujo? You're not trying like I guess maybe you're trying to win the Stanley Cup game, you know, like year one, but that's not entirely realistic to have that as your expectation. And Bruce Brujo is a coach who team after team, year after year, has shown he can really get the best out of them in the regular season. And, you know, that's kind of, as an expansion team, both, you know, trying to build yourself in the market like that's that's what you want to do, um, you know, have some success. Uh, and if you're really going in the, for a shot in the dark here, which it kind of feels like, you know, you're trying to like you're trying to you're, you're shooting blindly, hoping that it hits with Dave Hackstall 
you're really leaving yourself open to, all right, this team sucks for three years because he's not very good at coaching. He can't get the best out of his roster. And just like that, you know, the city's not that interested. The hype, the uh, inaugur- the expansion hype is kind of worn off and you blew your shot. And I think Vegas did the best job they could at exploiting that expansion hype. And here they are. They're still riding it. Their fans are crazy for him. Um, and I think Seattle's playing risky with this hackstall hire, um, both on the ice, but also in terms of building a fan base. Yeah, I think I might have mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I'm I honestly think the Kraken are going to make the playoffs in year one, and that is entirely due to how weak the Pacific Division is going to be. As it's, they have like one and a half playoff teams in that division: Vegas, Edmonton, and who? Who's number three? Is it Calgary? Is it LA? Is it Vancouver? It's not Anaheim or San Jose or Arizona. I think it might be the Kraken. Uh, no matter who they take, I think I might pencil them in for for number three there. Uh, so I mean. I guess we'll see how Dave Haxtell works out, but honestly, just based on the quality of competition in that division, we might be looking at this if Seattle, even if they're like in the playoff hunt, be like, wow, they really jumped out of the gate as an expansion team. That's pretty impressive of them. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay. All right. So uh, where are, speaking of uh, questionable hires um, that don't seem to have that much merit in uh, their ability to execute a vision, uh, let's move to Vancouver. Where, uh, that was a little bit of a clunky a of, one, I gotta say. Yeah, that segue it was, was, was a little bad. clunky, but yeah. But go ahead. I, I'm uh, I'm not as good as you are at these segways, but uh, yeah. So it looks like Vancouver has hired the Sedin twins, both of them, and uh, what their roles are not really very defined at all. But uh, yeah, kind of a pretty meme hire here, getting the Sedin's back in the organization like this in the front office. Yeah. All right. I think their official titles are like advisor to the GM or something like that. Like senior advisor to the GM. I don't know. First of all, it's kind of funny that like Henrik and Daniel Sedin have never, ever done anything apart from each other in their entire lives. Like what, what if it was just like Vancouver hires Henrik Sedin? Where, where, where Daniel Daniel <laughs> didn't like, want to join fuck? you? What was he doing? Is he like he going fishing or something? Like, yeah, what's up? Why aren't you together? And it's just like, oh, yeah, you're either taking both or you're taking neither. And that was a thread throughout their entire career. Where it was just a given like, oh, yeah, they'll never sign anywhere not together. They're never going to accept a trade anywhere that's not together. So that's why they ended up, you know, sticking on the Canucks for their entire career, even as Vancouver dwindled down and down the standings in the late stages of their careers. And now it looks like they're they're back for more, Daniel and Hendrick. They didn't have enough mediocrity. So then now they're going to be advising Jim Benning uh, for the, and what we assume, what we can only assume is the second half of his tenure as GM. I imagine so. <laughs> I don't know. He's been there for, for seven years now. And this is such a, a blatant PR move. This is the the, the team, the Aquilinis know Jim Benning uh, is is totally, the, the fans have totally lost faith in Jim Benning, and rightfully so. Even the the odd minority who were still on board with him in like for the past three years, I don't know, most of the fan base were done with this guy in 2016, two years after they hired him. It's five years later, he's still there. They go, how do we salvage this Jim Benning image? And they say, I don't know. Well, uh, sorry, they don't say, I don't know. They say, I know. Why don't they, why don't we take the two most beloved players in franchise history and associate both of them directly with the man everybody hates most uh, in, in Jim Benning. And in the process, do we dampen the legacy of the Sedins? Maybe, but it'll be worth it because maybe some people will hate Jim Benning a little bit less for being next to Henrik and Daniel. Oh, man. 
<laughs> and we know nothing about the, you know the, the Sedin's twins capabilities in the front office. I bet they're smart people. But um yeah, this really does feel like a PR move because you know they don't have much experience in the front office. And so yeah, you're just kind of pandering to the fans how much success they'll have out of it. I uh doubt there'll be any. Um because yeah, Jim Benning is coming off a year where he let a bunch of people go and those people went and had absolutely fantastic seasons against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, and so, you know, I don't like the, the ship was already sinking. The, uh, the ship was already the ship was already sunk five years ago. Um, but uh, it seems to even be reaching new depths um, year after year. Uh, and back to the whole brother thing, like how like it's not just in hockey, like, you know, like two two brothers joined at the hip. Like it's you just never see that in life. Like, you know, like two brothers working forever uh, in the same industry at the same company, whatever it is. Um, yeah, you just don't see it. And uh, that's very, very interesting. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that hopefully their image doesn't get tarnished in the in the in the eyes of the Canucks fan just by association. But uh, I mean, it could happen because uh, Jim Benning fucking sucks at his job. Yeah, it certainly could happen. Can you imagine what, what our world would look like if Brian Burke didn't make those trades to draft both the twins? Because Henrik and Daniel... Apparently, that was a surprise for them at the 1999 draft. They thought they were going to two separate teams. They didn't know who, but no one really had, you know, multiple picks in the top five, which is where they were going to be going. What would what would our world look like if, like, Daniel Sedin was an Atlanta thrasher and Henrik was a whoever was picking, I don't know, fourth overall? Nashville or it would whatever. Be a whole, a whole, uh, it would be completely different, let me tell you. We'd, we'd be living in an entirely different system. <laughs> yep. Would Montreal be in the Stanley Cup Finals this year if Brian Burke didn't trade for the Sedin Twin draft picks? You have to ask the question. Is Brian Burke the yeah. Conn Smythe Trophy winner of 2021? I think I think we might we, we should have that talk at a certain point. Um because, you know, yeah, we should try butterfly to figure that out. and everything. Yeah, well that we'll dedicate an episode to that down the line. Um should Brian Burke have won the Conn Smythe regardless of whether the Habs win the Cup? I think it's, uh, it's something up for debate. Um, and yeah, because... Uh, you have to ask I mean, the just question. off the top of my head. You really do, don't you? Um, <laughs> is he, is Tyler Toffoli on the team? Is Cole Caulfield on the team? Yeah. Is Carey Price on the, the team? Is there even a team? Did Montreal relocate to Wisconsin? Because of Daniel Sedin being drafted to the Canucks, you never know. You never, and we'll never know. But we'll dedicate we an episode to talking know. about it. Don't worry. All it's right. Coming. Yeah, the alternate timeline. All right. Yeah, everyone loves the alternate timeline episode. That isn't totally, you know, a filler episode in everyone's favorite TV show. Anyway, um, you know what else is going on in in Western Canada? Is Matthew Kachuk might want out of Calgary? Uh, man, that would suck for the Flames, wouldn't it? Because, okay, people were talking about this mostly earlier this year when, uh, was it, I think it was Jake Muzzin who, like, flipped a puck up towards Matthew Kachuk's face, and Matthew Kachuk started, like, you know, fighting back at him in the scrum, you know, as one does, and as you'd expect a player to do when someone just flipped a puck towards your face, and then none of his other Calgary teammates kind of joined in with him and, you know, shoved back at anyone else, and it's one thing if they were saying, oh, they didn't see Muzzin flip the puck, so they didn't know why he was, you know, going all crazy. It's another, though, which is what we heard, is that a lot of his teammates 
were kind of annoyed that he got so intense all the time. And man, if you're trying to make the playoffs and this is the best player on your team who has pretty much been the heart and soul of the Calgary Flames since he joined and he gets emotional a lot. If instead of that inspiring you to, you know, become emotionally invested in the game as well, if that just makes you annoyed, like, oh, can't you just chill out, man? I can 100% understand why Matthew Kachuk's like, you're a bunch of losers. I want to, I want out of this team. I want to leave and go anywhere else. Yeah, this is okay. And you look at this is such a shit show. Like the flames have really kind of evolved. I mean, not just um, this season, but also like in the long run, like, ah, oh, it seems like every year they disappoint. And now looking forward, like if, if Matthew Kachuk, first of all, yeah. So let's talk about the, the, the situation. Like it seems that they're, this, this seems like a broken team, doesn't it? Um, like not just with this situation, but it seems that they can't find ways to win. They, you know, like you had a golden opportunity. It was the fucking Habs who were fucking awful. And that was the only team standing between you and a playoff spot. Uh, and you completely blew it down the stretch, losing to like, you know, fucking Vancouver and Ottawa. Um, and so, you know, this team just doesn't seem to find a way to win. And, you know, looking forward, it seems like everyone who's remotely good is on their way out somehow or like some there are there are teams like there are, someone's always talking about someone leaving from the Calgary Flames and it's one of their like their three good players um like you know not now now that we're talking about Kachuk um because I mean I'm looking at their roster right now and like who's fucking good um like you know like Markstrom's fine but he's overpaid um you know you have Kachuk Kadrow Monahan right that's the core so to speak, like Gaudreau Monahan have been, you know, people have been talking about trading them for like a while now. I'm like, oh, blow up the core there. Uh, and like, you know, so is there anyone really that's like a franchise corner piece on this team? I don't think so. Like Giordano's getting old. Hannafin's a solid defenseman. But like, there's like fucking nobody. If you take these three guys and you need to ship them out, like this team seems a bunch of, uh, it seems extremely unstable for a core. Yeah, if I'm Calgary, I and Matthew Kachuk asked for a trade. I try and figure out why. And if it is that, like, you know, there are a bunch of losers on the team who don't want to become emotionally involved or whatever, I trade them instead. I trade anyone else on this team before I trade Matthew Kachuk because that is the type of player that you need to, if you want to, you know, turn this franchise around and make it, you know, a healthy winning environment again and that's the type of guy you need and that that's like a a captain type of player who can kind of be a face of a franchise and that you want other players to be kind of modeling themselves after and you definitely don't want Matthew Kachuk you know losing what makes him special and becoming uh eh, whatever I I won't I won't shove back when someone tries to you know hit me in the face with a puck yeah, I won't be a piece of shit <laughs> on the ice. Yeah, pretty um, much. But uh, yeah. So it's and but then you know, and then his contract's up after this uh this next season. Um, so you know he has all the leverage there, and he's only twenty three, and it's just man, if they lose him, who is on this team? That's like, and that yeah, I just I'm just repeating my question. Like this team seems like it yeah. fucking sucks, and I I, I, I like Trilliving's got to get out of there, right? They got to fire this guy. Um, like, did they already? I I can't recall. Like, it feels like they did fire, but I don't think so, right? Like, is he still is he still, is he still oh, it's for living. Yeah, he's still there. He's still there. Uh, and oh the fact that they didn't fire him right when the season ended, he's probably got another year left. Um, I was gonna say something else about uh, 
Kachuk. I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. It's that I don't think they're going to trade him. Even next year when his contract is up and he's an RFA, uh, the only leverage that he has is that he might send an offer sheet and Calgary would probably match. Unless he wants to, like, go to Europe or something, RFAs still don't have uh, that much leverage. I mean, besides the fact that he could sit out or something, if he really wants to trade, like, no, I'm not, I'm not signing with you until you trade me. That's the only leverage he could possibly have. But I don't really see this getting to the point where a trade becomes imminent. Look, I maybe not necessarily a trade, but I can see a scenario in which he holds out for a short-term contract um, and that, that eventually walks him to free agency um, if he doesn't want out of this team because this team is so poorly constructed uh, and it seems like it's going nowhere um, because there's really nobody there. Um, so... You know, maybe not like drastic measures uh, because you're right. They don't have that kind of leverage to uh, get traded, but they do have the leverage to ask for a short term contract, kind of like, you know, Kaprizov is doing. Um, although, you know, Kachuk doesn't have quite the uh, Russia leverage that he's that Kaprizov is trying to flex. Um, but for Kachuk, I mean, I see a scenario where he's like, I want to get, get out of here as fast as possible. And if you won't trade me, I won't sign a contract longer than you know, necessary that then, uh, the necessary that will get me to free agency to UFA. Yeah. Um, before we get to the guess who for this week, I think we should also touch on the developments in the Chicago Blackhawks story that have kind of surfaced over the past week or so you were telling me because, uh, you were looking at, uh, some more of the, the details that I didn't really have time to look at that. Apparently about 11 years ago when this was happening, the Blackhawks front office held a meeting deciding what to do about the allegations and they came to the conclusion to do nothing about it, which I mean, we kind of already knew that they made the active decision to do nothing about it. But the fact that they all decided collectively to do nothing about it as an entire front office, as an entire organization to try and sweep it under the rug is really disgusting. And what I think is worse about it is that they're trying to do it again now. I don't think we've seen a statement from the team about it. We definitely haven't seen a statement from the NHL about it. NHL's uh, number one uh, broadcasting partner in Canada, Sportsnet, appears to have banned any of their employees from even discussing this, judging by the fact that Elliot Friedman, Chris Johnston, no one working at Sportsnet, none of the big, big names have said anything about this or even like interacted with a tweet discussing it. And so the NHL really, maybe they'll come out with something soon. Like, uh, we're going to, you know, uh, wait until the the and the investigation is done or something. Just something absolutely meaningless like that. But once again, you know, here, a lot of people were drawing the comparison. Look how harshly the NHL punished and investigated for uh, New Jersey Devils salary cap violations in 2014. For the Arizona Coyotes, you know, their, uh, their uh, draft combined violations very recently, uh, you know, made the Coyotes forfeit a first and second round pick. If the NHL is willing to do that about, about draft combine and willing to do nothing and try and hide this about sexual assault, I mean, that really kind of just confirms what we kind of knew all along, which is that the NHL, it's what we were talking about last week. The NHL and every massive corporation will prioritize their own image 
and their own profits over the well-being of their employees. And that's where things like the draft combine come in, where it's like, oh, no, you, you broke our arbitrary rules. We must set down the hammer harshly. And in this situation, you committed a really serious offense that's abusive and harassive. And we'll, we'll just kind of try and look the other way and hope no one finds out. And criminal, too. Fucking criminal. Um, And, yeah, this is some serious fucking heinous shit. I mean, like, look, you talk about, oh, maybe the NHL will say, like, oh, we'll wait till the end of the investigation. Well, Bill Daly confirmed the other day, I think it was just yesterday, that they're not even investigating. They're not launching an investigation in the matter. They just, quote, talk to Chica- talk to Chicago about it. Um, Yeah, fat, 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 like, fat chance that'll do anything. Um, And, yeah, so, like, you know, the, the details really coming out here uh, about, like, you know, like... Th- there is a certain degree of plausible deniability with this kind of situation um, until you figure out this guy. Like, up until we learned that, like, you know, like, they explicitly had a management group meeting and there were names attached. Um, before that, you could, you know, like, there's a bit, like, you could think, like, okay, maybe, you know, they told one guy and then one guy just decided on his own, okay, I'm not going to pass this up the chain. You know, maybe it was just one scumbag. Um, but clearly this is, and I, we, we kind of knew it. But um, there was a sort of plausible deniability up until this point. Um, but now we really know, like, this is, we're talking about the team president wasn't in this meeting. Stan Bowman was in this meeting. The vice president of hockey operations was in this meeting. And this was all confirmed by, you know, a, who uh, the, the name you hear, John Torchetti, who was the uh, associate coach with the Blackhawks then, um, who confirmed this, uh, that this actually happened and this meeting happened. I mean, you just see that this is just... Uh, com- just a collective decision by an organization, by a group of people um, who lead the organization to actively cover this up. Um, like this is this is what they did. They talked about it and they actively, we're not going to go to the police. We're not going to do anything about it. Uh, and yeah, it's fucking awful. It's fucking awful. Uh, and it seems like, yeah, absolutely. That the NHL is just, they're doing it again. Um, just 10 years later with the same situation. And they're just, just, just trying to bury the lead. Um, and you know, uh, I am glad to see that it seems like the conversation has really picked up outside, like, like on Twitter and outside of the personalities, uh, of, you know, like outside the league, the league personnel and the big sports net personalities. Um, because, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for that, the NHL, what the NHL wants to do clearly is not address the situation at all, uh, and just pretend it never happened. And that is truly some awful shit. Uh, just on a human level, and they don't want any sort of accountability for what, a, like, what was it? It's sexual abuse, fucking sexual abuse. Yeah. How insane is that? Props to Rick Westhead and Katie Strang, who are really doing almost all the heavy lifting on reporting this story and you know providing everyone with all the information about it because you know so many of the other you know bigger uh, sports you know, news organizations are trying to ignore it as much as possible. So good for them too, especially, and a couple others for really not letting it go. And also I think, I think Jesse Blake on the Steve Dangle podcast, when they were discussing it said that this should be like, not just the biggest story in hockey. This should be like national news in the United States, because here you have uh, one of the most valuable NHL franchises, a marquee North American sports franchises, that did a that covered up sexual assault and it's surfacing over 10 years later and he even said like you know CNN should probably be talking about stuff like this of course they aren't not even sportsnet is talking about it and really as you, it is encouraging 
that because I was kind of I was very afraid that the conversation on this was going to die down. Instead, it seems to have picked up, which is exactly what the NHL doesn't want, because most of the times when corporations want to hide something from you, they can and they get away with it. That's what happens pretty much almost all the time. It doesn't look like that's happening now, and it looks like sooner or later they're going to have to answer for this. Yeah. Uh, and But yeah, they're really just kind of showing their true colors here. And I guess we kind of knew it all along. But, you know, here it is in, in blatant form. Um, just, I just trying to cover this shit up. And it's fucking bad. It's awful. And absolutely, um, this, should, this should be a huge fucking story. It's not being talked enough at all um on major networks whatever it's a fucking sexual abuse uh case uh multiple multiple fucking victims on a professional hockey team that you know didn't they fucking win the cup that year or was that like yep, you know they did. anyways they did like that's how fucking like uh, to, to put you know like to put that on top of everything it's just it's just a, yeah it should be fucking huge man um and it's not and that is the work of the people behind the scenes who are trying to cover it up Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before you get to our guess who, I just saw this was from a couple hours ago, but a funny tweet from at maybe it's Ian uh, about the Habs hard pivot it says the Habs run reminds me a lot of the Nats World Series run in 2019. Bad for most of the year. Never been to the final. That was not true. I don't know why he said that Montreal has been to the final plenty of times. Got hot at the right time. Couldn't lose an elimination game. Swept a team in the second round. Played a team in the final that was definitely cheating. Cheating? He's talking about the oh. cap stuff with Tampa Bay. Salary cap. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was the joke. Oh, okay, 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 I see. <laughs> All right. Um, excellent tweet. All right, so shall we uh, move to Guess Who? Yes, we proceed over to Guess Who. Uh, we are not doing the Tampa Bay Lightning because we actually already did them last year when they were in the Stanley Cup final, or right after they'd won the Stanley Cup. And we don't want to repeat teams till we've gone through all of them. So instead, we've picked the Vegas Golden Knights, who Montreal just finished defeating. So here are the 25 players involved in this week's Guess Who. Marc-Andre Fleury, Robin Leonard, Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez, Braden McNabb, Nick Holden, Nicholas Haig, Zach Whitecloud, Dylan Coglin, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Jonathan Marchessault, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Chandler Stevenson, Alex Tuck, Nicholas Roy, Matthias Yanmark, William Carrier, Thomas Nosek, Keegan Colasar, Ryan Reeves, Patrick Brown, and Cody Glass. A whole bunch of chokers right here. 25 losers. Yeah, a bunch of losers. Yeah, right. uh, someone pointed out that uh, half of Vegas's history has been losing to Corey Perry in round three. <laughs> uh, that's, that's fucking hilarious. Um, are we sure we didn't do this team before? We definitely, yeah, we have not done this team. Here, I can pull up okay. our log. Uh, get everyone up to date on uh, on that. All right, let me see here. Okay, so this started May 31st, 2020, when we did a Montreal we did Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Florida, Edmonton, New Jersey, Calgary, Carolina, the Rangers, Ottawa, and Toronto. And now we're doing Vegas. Okay. How many How many is that? Are we halfway through the league yet? Uh, uh, I have three wins. You have five wins. And we have five ties. So that's 13. And this is our 14th one. Okay. We're almost at half. So over right. a year later, we are not halfway through. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's what happens when you when when, you, when something happens every four weeks, right? Um, yeah, exactly. It goes pretty okay. slow. Yeah, that's no kidding. Randomize. All right. All right, call my player. Hit the button. All right, I got mine. 
All right, cool. Something fun with this team, as I was making my spreadsheet, is that like only like two of them were drafted by the Golden Knights. So there's a big variety of like draft team, and a lot of them, almost all of them, have played for other teams before Vegas. Uh, so that might be a little added fun twist on this one. All right, we might see a lot of spicy questions, um, especially right. now that we have the the expansion draft molars that we had last year uh, from last week. Okay. Uh-huh. All right, so uh, I guess we'll mute one at a time. I'll yeah. mute first, and uh, you can talk okay, to the player. Sure. All right, I'm muting in three, two, one. My player is Jonathan Marcheseau. Okay, I am coming back now. All oh, right, all right, great. So I am muting in three, two, one. Mark Andre Fleury, and I'm back. All right, so. Uh, I believe, yeah, you won last time when we did Toronto, which means you have home guess advantage, which means that I will guess first. I'm going to go with good old reliable number question, which everybody loves. Is your player's number less than 30? My player's number is less than 30. Boo. Okay, hell yeah, let's go. Bad start for me. There are also so many Canadians on this team. I don't oh, yeah. know if you have nationality on your spreadsheet. Yeah, I do. Huh. Not a CA. Okay. All right. Maybe that'll be a maybe that'll be a home run I'm desperate question. Uh later on. Thank you very much. <laughs> maybe. All right. Okay. One second. One second. Before can we just take a break on your pee? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Go take a piss. Let's let's kick this off. On my end, all right. So let's go with last name. I love a good last name question. Uh, and we're gonna split this. Okay, all right. So is your player's last name Martinez or earlier in the alphabet? Yes, my player's last name is Martinez or earlier in the alphabet. All right. That that's that that's a bit fucking disappointing. All right. I, I wish. All I was right. Here, but okay. All right. Was your player? Drafted in the top 60. My player was drafted in the top 60. Very nice. You're down to six. Already? Oh, dear. Okay, that's not fun. Um, hmm. All right, let's go by age. Let's let's get some... Let's split it that way. So, okay, so... Um, was your player... Is your player dra- born in June of 1992 or earlier? Yes, my player was born in June of okay. 1992 or earlier. All right. Very nice. Very nice. We're down to six. Six players. All right. Six old folks. Uh-huh. All right. Let me see what I should ask you. All right. All six of the players I have left are Canadian. Um, was your player... I'll do another draft question. Was your player drafted in the top 10? My drafted, my player uh, was drafted in the top 10. Very interesting. Very interesting. I'm down to three players now. Okay, who we got left? Marc-Andre Fleury, Alex Petrangelo, and Cody Glass. Okay. Fascinating. Is that a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie? Indeed. Okay. All right. I will have the same split after this question. What, is your player Canadian? Yes, my player is Canadian. All right, so I got, I got a, 
goalie, defenseman, and a forward. I got Flurry, Holden, and Marcheseau. Okay. All right. All right. <sighs> all right. Oh, this is the Let's part begin. I hate because I suck We're in the at so much. Hell yeah. I failed Let's at this go. all the time, and I feel like it's going to happen again. All right. So, because it's hard because all these players are notable in different ways. Flurry is notable, of course, because he's a goalie. Petrangelo is notable because he was the best player on the team in this round and the star defenseman. And Cody Glass is notable because he was one of the only players on this list who didn't play in the entire series. Um, I think I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I don't know. I'm trying to rationalize this. I'll just pick one. Is your player Cody Glass? <laughs> My player is not Cody Glass. Of course not. Cause I, cause I picked okay. him. So it can't be him. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. And we always move the target here. Um, that's that's my strategy. I just take whoever you guess, and I make my player the person you didn't guess. Um, oh, that's how it works. All that's right. why we recorded uh, beforehand okay. whose player is who, so that we can cheat afterwards. Yeah, yeah before you actually don't notice, but uh, I do a bit of editing myself. I just I change the name afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. All because right. So your audio track. So I have... it's extremely possible. All right. <laughs> of course it is. Um, Hacker man over here. I got Flurry, Holden, and Marcheseau. <laughs> I'm going with the forward. Is your player Jonathan Marcheseau? Of course he is. Uh, well, of course. Of course it's Jonathan <laughs> Marcheseau. Obviously. Oh, man. Okay. Is uh, it know, actually? I can't even tell. It's, it's, yes, the degree of course of, it is. Of course it is. It almost sounds sarcastic. Oh, it, it definitely perfect. is Jonathan Marcheseau. Yeah, you know, Montreal, they make the Stanley Cup Finals. They make me believe in miracles, but I still suck at guess who. Nothing has changed. <laughs> Yeah, really. Uh, woo. Yeah, so my player um, was Marc Andre Fleury. Got the got the wow. goalie. Um, so that that was rough. That was rough for it's you. It's a cheap shot. Um, and uh, <laughs> ah, yes, because I always control these kind of things. Uh, it was All very right, intentional. Okay. Let's me. randomize again. All right. <laughs> One nothing right. already. This is going off great. Yeah, sure. Okay. It is for you. All right, okay. Now Move I just play for two ties. Okay. All right, I'm muting in three, two, one. My player is Robin Leonard. All right, I'm returning. Okay. All right, I'm muting my audio in three, two, one. Defenseman Alec Martinez. Let's go. And I'm back. Ask away. Okay, all right, all right. Ooh. Okay, so how can we divide these? It's kind of tough because, uh, yeah, the drafting is off the board because, well, you know, um, because of reasons, because there just aren't many Vegas picks. So, yeah, I'll go with number. Um, let's see. Is your player wear 28 or less? That was your player. No, my player's number is not 28 or less. Very nice. Very nice. So we're down to 12. All right, go ahead. Was your player drafted by a team whose city slash state name starts with a letter from A to O? For example, Anaheim, Buffalo, Carolina, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Los Angeles, Minnesota, Montreal, or Ottawa? A to O. Uh, My player was drafted. By a play by a team whose city name starts with an A to O. Wonderful. Gotta make sure I don't give you any wrong information. All right. Okay. Ooh. 
almost going to divide these. All right, let me filter, sort. I got the fancy Excel sheet. All right, was your player drafted by the Ottawa Senators or went undrafted? Yes, my player was drafted by the Ottawa Senators or went undrafted. Okay, all right, that's a six split, so I got six left. All right, okay, I have 12 left, so... Should I try to equalize you, or should I try to work it down to five? Take a little bit of a gamble here. Okay. Uh, I'll go with the split. Uh, is your player okay. Canadian? Boring. My player, let me verify this information, is not Canadian. Very nice. Very nice and cool. All right. All right, all right, all right. Let's let's. I'll copy you. It seems that it seems that our, is your player Canadian is the perfect kind of final six question. Um, so I'll do that too. Is your player Canadian? No, my player is not Canadian. Okay, all right. Very nice. Oh, we Very we've nice. both got a non-Canadian. Yeah. Ah. All right. Is your player twenty-eight or younger? My player is. Did you say twenty-eight? Yeah, 28 or younger. No, he is 29 or older. All right, wonderful. I'm always scared I'm going to give it away accidentally, you know? (laughs) Yeah, all right, I'm down to three now. I'm down to Robin Leonard, Max Pacioretty, and Alec Martinez. Okay, we we both got the laner going on here. Uh, I got Nozick and Brown. Patrick Brown, who the fuck is that? Um, (laughs) All right, I'll go with a nobody. Uh, is your player Patrick Brown? No, my player is not Patrick Brown. That's unfortunate. All right. You have a chance All right, to, uh, try to win this round. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with, is your player Alec Martinez? Oh, fuck my life. It is Alec Martinez. Yes. Let's oh go. Oh, my God. The unthinkable I, has happened. I was getting correct Jesus. vibes from Alec Martinez, and it worked. It worked. And My player, player was no uh, the one and only Robin Leonard. Oh man! Okay, we're trading goalies here. Okay. Yeah, we each had a goalie. All right. That's weird. Around. <laughs> all right. It seems that the the strategy to win this game is get a goalie. Um, yeah. Or maybe right, we should enough. just stop right. always avoiding guessing goalies. That maybe. could also be true. Maybe. We'll see, but maybe not. All right. Okay. So so we we're one one. That doesn't happen that much that we each decidedly win a round. Yep. And now we have a, a tiebreaker. Which is why this which is why this series is gonna end in a tie. Um all right, let's No, let's see I'm it. gonna win this one. I have a good feeling now. I absolutely do not, but I'm gonna pretend right. I do. Okay, so uh so, I will uh mute in three, two, one. My player is William Carlson. I am returning now. All right, I'm muting in three, two, one. Players Nicolas Roy. And I'm back. And I'm going to guess first this time as well. Let's go with uh, a, a fun first name question. Uh, why don't we do... Let's do... Is your player? Does your player's first name start with a letter from A to M? A to M? Yes. Uh, my player's first name does not begin with a letter from A to M. All right, so we are in late alphabet crew territory, N to Z. <laughs> Squad goals. Um, all right, so let's see. We'll go with draft. 
will we go draft? I don't know. That's kind of okay. That's kind of that's a bad divide. All right, let's go with last name. I think it served me well the first time, so gotta go back to what works. Um, yeah, we'll do. Uh, I think I did Martinez last time. So, is your player uh, have a last name of Martinez or earlier? Yes, my player's last name is Martinez or earlier. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Has hmm. Okay. No. Okay. I want to try to figure out something fun here with these previous teams, but I don't think it's. it's all right. Sure. All right. Sure. Let's take a little bit of a risk. Has your player ever played for a team? Whose city slash state name started with the letter C. For example, Carolina, Chicago, Columbus. Okay. All right. Uh, the answer is yes. Wonderful. Amazing. We're going to be down to five now. Jesus. That's rough. Meanwhile, I might be down to seven at the end of this round. Um, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Oof. Tough. This is tough. Now that I know that I'm losing, I got should I swing for the fences or do I continue uh charging along? Um, I will keep I will try the the tried and true steady method. Is your player drafting the second round or first round? So first or second round? My player was drafted in the first or second oh. round. Relief. Relief. All right, I'm down to six. All right. Does your player shoot right? My player does shoot right. All right. I'm now down to two players. Nicholas Watt oh, and Patrick no. God damn. This is, this is terrible. Okay. Let's delete. All right. Let's go. Okay. Hmm. How do I divide these people up? Uh, okay. Was your player drafted by the Vegas Golden Knights? No, my player was not drafted by the Vegas Golden Knights. All right. I'm down to four. This is, I went for the fences and I missed. Oh man. Yeah, right. cuz there're only two guys who have been drafted by the by the Knights on this team, yeah. right? It's Glass and Hague. Yep. Yeah, so. Yeah. All right, so you're at 4. I'm at 2. The odds appear to be in my favor, but as we all know, I'm very prone to blowing it. I got yeah. nobody Patrick Brown, who you pointed out as being a nobody specifically in last round. And we got Nicholas Roy, who's, you know, a pretty good player. He was pretty good in the series. He scored a couple goals. He feels like just the right amount of prominent to potentially be a correct answer. So I'm going to go with, is your player, Nicholas Roy. Fuck. It is Nicholas Roy. And so Perfect. now it all comes down to my guess. Um, wasn't Nicholas Roy the leading scorer for the Vegas Golden Knights this series? Um, that's, that's Sounds about prominent. right. Yeah, two goals. Let's go. Um, okay, so if the four is not as dire as, as it seems because I have two goalies. Both goalies are on my four. Uh, so now the question is, which William do I pick? Um, do I take Carrier or do I take Carlson? Wow, those, those names are very similar. Uh, scarily so. Okay. Um, man, both taken in the second round. Both forwards. Oh, man. Who do, who do I take? 
What do I take? Oh, it's probably going to be a goalie anyways, isn't it? Uh, okay, I'll take, uh, is your player William Carrier? No, my player is William Carlson. Oh, my life. Oh, no. I've done it. I've done it. Oh. I have won the Vegas Golden Knights round of Guess Who, and I am now back within one win of uh, of you in our in our very very long best of thirty two is what it's probably going to end up being series uh, because now I've got four wins and you've got five and we got five ties that feels good that feels very good to to make a comeback like that I don't know if we've ever had one like that you won round one then I won two and three crazy wow because ties are so so uh so frequent and guess who something like that appears pretty unlikely but i beat the odds and perhaps that's a nice omen for what what odds montreal may or may not try to be beating in the coming weeks yeah are you are you are you you portraying me as the i don't know the vegas gold you are the tampa bay lightning of fusion and hockey podcast hopefully if all goes well Former cup champion? All right, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll exactly. Take it. Um, last month, it's the same thing. Oh, that's true. All right. Uh, so I think that that does that's about it for this episode. Unless you have something to add. Nope, that is it. Thank you very much for listening right. to this week's Fusion and Hockey podcast. We will be back next week, uh, probably on Saturday again after the first three games of Montreal versus Tampa Bay. In the East versus East Stanley Cup final are done. And we can't wait to tell you about how it went. There, that's a nice idea.